Hello, my fans, friends. Welcome to the Rich Terring podcast feed, powered by ACAS Plus. Thanks to everyone who's come to see the Can I Have My Ball Back tour so far. It's been going really well. I've got a four-star review in The Standard, four-star review in The Telegraph, who once called me the worst comedy experience of the year, so that's a turnaround. Uh, people have been coming, people have really been enjoying it, and it's getting better and better. The only gigs this week are both in Pocklington, the town I was born in, near York. Uh, there's a couple of tickets left for the evening show and a few more tickets left for the matinee, I think about 4.30. But love to see you there, Yorkshire. Pop along. Check richardherring.com slash ballback slash tour or richardherring.com slash gigs to see if I'm coming near to you. There are tickets left for nearly every show in the tour. I think Norwich has sold out. Uh, and a couple of gigs in London could do with your support as well. Anyway, please listen to the podcast. Do spread the news about the podcast to your friends. Listen as much as you can. Numbers are slightly down, which may affect the future of this podcast. So just leave it playing, even if you're not in the room. Love you. <laughs> now sit back, relax and enjoy whatever it is you're going to listen to. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Leicester Square Theatre. Please welcome a man whose daughter has taken up his mantle as a fantastic story writer. It's Richard Herring! Thank you very much. You're much better than last week's audience. So welcome to... Welcome... Welcome to uh, Richard Herring's Leicester Square Theatre podcast. But uh, why have I taken my glasses off? I need them. Uh, but uh, I was talking to that man who sent a TikTok video back from 2027, where he's the only surviving human being. Uh, but still, what is most impressed to me is that he's managed to send video through time. That is, that's to me is still... I'm still more interested in how he's done that than the fact he's the only human being left alive. Anyway, he calls it Rahela Stubborn. So, so did everyone in the future before they died. He possibly sent all the... Have you seen this video? I mean, you won't have done. There's a, it's, there's a, yeah, things like this happen all the time on the internet. I don't know why they would go through TikTok, particularly future time travellers. But you usually have someone coming back in their blurred face and go, yes, I've come from the future to warn you. Uh, I forgot to mention the coronavirus. But... Uh, <laughs> Um, <laughs> but yeah, I, I, it's very impressive that, that get, manages to get into the papers. Uh, my daughter, I was, uh, you know, you may remember uh, if you're a long time 
listener of my podcasts or stand-up shows, uh, that uh, as a young man, when I first learnt to write, I was very interested in writing stories. I wrote a story called The Man Who Was Never Born. I don't know if you've... I can't really remember. There once was a man who was never born and nobody saw him because he was never born. And uh, he would steal things from people. I think it was something like that. Um, that was my story. And the four, the four men had a fight with the men of fives. That's a classic. <laughs> my, da- my daughter was, uh, is interested. She started to write, but the, the, she dictated a long story to me yesterday. I typed it up on the computer so she could send it to her friend Matthew. Um, he's called Matthew, but that's what she calls him. Uh, they've been best pals since nursery, but sadly due to evil North Hertfordshire Council, they do not go to the same school. Um, just, I'm going to keep on at them until they apologise. Um, they haven't seen each other much in the last couple of years because uh, of lockdown as well. But she's wrote this long story for him, which is about a dinosaur fucking a unicorn. So uh, I want you to... <laughs> I want you to... Essentially... I just want to read that. I'll read the, It was honestly so long, but I'll read you the first bit. Once upon a time, there was a unicorn and a dinosaur. They were friends. One day, they decided to get married. They had a unicorn cross dinosaur baby. The crying was very loud. <laughs> and it was very sparkly. Then they wanted to have another baby, but that baby wasn't ordinary. It was a fish cross dog. The crying was very cute, and one day they were very sad, but they couldn't find anything fish dog baby liked. So then they buyed all the things that a baby could like, and the fish dog baby didn't like any of them. So then, sadly, they had to put it in an orphanage. <laughs> she couldn't understand. She kept on getting me to read this story from the beginning, and every time I got to that line, I would laugh. She'd go, why are you laughing at that? that? Why is... I told her there was nothing funny about it and it was very sad, but I couldn't help sniggering. I mean, she was confused why her serious tale of a fish dog that came from the union of a dinosaur and a unicorn was making me laugh and not cry. Um, uh, and then my, on the second page, uh, the family get reunited uh, and uh, then she asked me to write, and they all lived happily ever after, or did they? And she, was, she was really pleased about that. And then she wrote another two pages about how they didn't live happily ever after, which I think kind of ruined I said that sort of ruined it. It was all right in the end. It was all right in the end. They went to London and um, they didn't have any money uh, and uh, they tried to pick up money off the street, but the people who sweep the streets do it in the dawn and they could never... So then they, they got up before sunrise and they got a million pounds off the street. So it was fine, it was fine. <laughs> then it went wrong again. So good, that's the material for me for the next uh, three or four years. Sort it out. Right, my, I think I've done, I think that's everything I was going to do. Just let me check there. Let me check. Remember to buy my book and. Uh, blah, 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 blah. Oh, the, I'll tell you what I didn't talk about last time was I've come up with a sitcom idea about Mrs. Thatcher, uh, Mrs. T, who is secretly married to Mr. T from the 18. <laughs> I sort of put it on Twitter as a joke, and loads of people made really good suggestions like calling it TNT. That's quite good, isn't it? And. Uh, <laughs> And Mr. T stopping the Brighton bomb and stuff. I think I, I kind of see it. I only want to do it if we can have the kind of uh, budget that the Crown has, right? and that we, and then it's all filmed like that, quite seriously, but just made up. So, you know, if anyone's interested, one of my guests has uh, got a deal with Netflix, so you never know. You never know.
Just pitch that. Now, I guess this week, uh, one of them is probably best known for being the documentary voiceover in Attack the Block. It's an amazing film, that brilliant film. I don't know who, don't know who directed it. Uh, and the other one is probably best known as the autograph hunter in Notting Hill, uh, but he was also the runner on Blue Juice. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to talk mainly about that. Will you please welcome, ladies and gentlemen, together at last, for the first time in 25 years since they fell out very badly and have never seen it, not seen each other. Ladies and gentlemen, Adam and Joe! It's Adam and Joe! Adam and Joe! It's Adam. Do come in. T-shirts identified by their teeth. Oh look, look! Wow! Oh man, this is the best thing that's ever happened. This is this is, this is coming. Just, just coming. <laughs> this is pretty sad stuff. It is. <laughs> Mr. Buxton, Mr. Cornish, can Adam and Joe come out to play? <laughs> How you doing, guys? Yeah. Very well. Good, good. to be here, Richard. Really yeah. good to have you, Joe. I mean, he's been here a lot. and a, I know. Way too, way too it's often. Quite boring. But to have you on is a real coop. Thanks, man. That's all right. That's yeah. okay. Um, tell us about being the documentary voiceover in Attack the Block. Adam, that was you. Yeah. I mean, it's early for a, a bitter tirade. <laughs> Maybe Joe should explain why he thought that was the best use of my talent. <laughs> well, Adam is very thin-skinned. Yes, I've noticed. So you've got to give him something. Otherwise, the consequences are interminable. So I thought that would be a good fit. He did a really good job, if anyone's seen the film. He did a really good job. And your acting skills are, are very... Well, you're a powerful actor. Right? you've got a, a lot of talent that you find difficult to control sometimes. <laughs> sometimes a fire bright, burns so brightly within a person that it can't be controlled by any fire service. <laughs> There's no fireman capable of controlling no, the way it shut, burns. Shut up! Shut up! <laughs> it's just like Tyrell trying to explain to Roy Batty why he's going to be killed soon. <laughs> It's not... That's what a director's supposed to do when you have a powerful uh, talent. You're supposed to channel it cleverly into the right role, not just say, oh, yeah, do a background voiceover for a scene that no one will ever know that it's you in the scene. That was a good sentence, wasn't it? <laughs> anyway, so, yeah, it was... Uh, it's painful. Yeah. But obviously I'm delighted to be in it. And I got a slightly better role in A Kid Who Would Be yes, King. Stonehenge got tour guide. Got some screen time. Yeah. Not allowed to do uh, an accent or any, any, <laughs> any funny stuff. But uh, I'm looking forward to, um, you know, Attack the Block 2, which yeah. was announced in the trades. I imagine there's a big buckles-shaped... 
<laughs> hole in that guy. A big buckle-shaped hole in it. <laughs> a, a hole with nothing in it. <laughs> no, I'll, I'll definitely... Uh, we'll definitely bring the voiceover guy back. Yeah. He didn't get killed in the first one, did he? So, no, exactly. Because he was on the TV. People love the voice. I mean, I'm always at Comic-Con. Hey, that's the voiceover guy from Attack the Block, isn't it? And uh, the, the autograph hunter... You get, well, you know, Roberts? that's not true. Is it not? No. Oh. A few people have mentioned that to me. That's an anomalous oh. IMDB entry. I don't know what that's about. But Blue Juice, I, I was a runner on. That's, that's, that's why surreal. I did put two on, because I thought the one... It yeah. might Has anyone seen Blue Juice? Yeah, it's like a Cornish surfing film. Okay. It's <laughs> quite good with Catherine Zeta-Jones. Was everyone called... Co- was everyone have Cornish... Yeah. it's crude and stars. <laughs> yeah. There has to be some Cornish connection. Okay. They all ate pasties. They were... <laughs> That's it. That's all I've got. What, how did they treat you as the... Because as the, you start... The, it's interesting, isn't it? They always say that, be nice to the people on the way up, because, yeah. you know... They were, it, was a, it, was a good, it was a good experience. I'm desperately trying to think of some sort of amusing anecdote. Yeah. And uh, all I can remember is a scene with a very young Catherine Zeta-Jones coming into a room topless carrying two tarts on a tray. Okay. And the elderly producer watching that scene over and over again <laughs> <laughs> in the edit, assessing it. Yeah. That's my, my key memory of that. that is, sure, that's, that's a good yeah. memory. It's an important job. That's an, it was I, one of Ewan McGregor's first roles. Was it? Yeah. I know you haven't employed any of these actors in any of your films, so they, they can't have been that nice to you. No, what, you and McGregor and Catherine Zeta-Jones? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, I should, though, shouldn't I? Yeah. Blue Juice was just after... Was it after train spotting? Oh, God, I don't know. It, was a weird, it felt it like a know. weird kind of misstep just when things were getting <laughs> groovy and exciting yeah. in British cinema. Suddenly it was, uh, this is going to be a sexy surfing movie in Cornwall. <laughs> <laughs> Here we go. Watch this explode. Listen, it's a good movie, and I won't have you say a word against it. <laughs> Sorry. What was the blue... What did Blue Juice refer to? It's like an... It's, it's like... A, it's, a it's like It's disease. like water. <laughs> <laughs> it's because of the pollution. That's what happens yeah. to their urine. It's pretty good. I'm going to check it out. Have you got the Blue Juice? <laughs> yeah. I do, yeah. I've had it for a couple of days now. <laughs> I thought it might be about slush puppies. That's the only kind of blue, blue juice. <laughs> yeah. Remember slush, blue slush puppies? Yes. Tango Ice Blast. My no. son loves those. Oh, yeah. They, yeah, they do those. My, we had some at... Uh, uh, where were we? Longleat. No, didn't like them. Oh. <laughs> Going to be a long night. Going to be a long... <laughs> Long old night. Uh, hey, it's 25 years since Adam and Joe was launched into an unsuspecting public, and in celebration I watched two and a half episodes of Adam Whoa. and Joe. The first two. First and two a half. and a half. You say you're much better than last week's audience, isn't it? Do I really? Yeah. To a, a non-existence audience, so you do the same joke I do, you copied that off me like 15 years before I yeah, did it. Yeah, yeah. Like the bloke travelling back through time. Have you seen that bloke on TikTok travelling back through time from Spain? Have you seen this? What are you doing watching no. TikTok? It was in the papers. It was in the papers. He's come back from 2027. 
He's the last human being. All the human beings have just gone. It's him walking down in Madrid, walking down the street. There's cars quite neatly parked. <laughs> I don't think any of them are from before, from after 2021, any of those cars. Uh, and everyone's just disappeared. And he's a bit, it's a day 103 that he's been on his own. And he's, but he's managed to send back a TikTok to us. Whoa. Not really to warn us. You're not selling it to me. Is this real? Well, <laughs> he says it's real. It's a thing. Mm. I mean, wow, that would be... I, uh, yeah. I don't believe it. No, I don't believe it. I don't remember you saying that in the Adam and Joe show. In one I, of the latest series, Wasn't it maybe. one of the ones where we... Did we have a little cut-out audience? Nope. You no. had no audience and you went, there isn't an audience, and you turned the camera around and it was just a wall. Uh, and Adam was just being crazy, oh, pretending yeah, yeah. to be so Bruce Forsyth. Because um, it's a Bruce Forsyth line, isn't it? Why Is did it? you stop watching? Uh, because after two and a half, what was the moment that I made you stop? Because I was watching them today, and I also had to read Louise Wenner's autobiography, <laughs> and I thought, I've got the idea. <laughs> they do like a film with some puppets. It's pretty funny. Uh, the vinyl thing, the vinyl showdown, vinyl justice. Yeah, that's yeah. it. That's good. I only watched it today. That's how bad my memory has become. Who was in the one you watched? Uh, the first one was uh, Kerry from... No, Catatonia. Keris. from Catatonia. Yeah. Had you never, ever watched it ever before? I think I have seen it before. Um, but like, I, didn't re- yeah. I didn't watch it at the time, I would say. I don't think. But I do Were you aware of it or did yes. you not watch it because you felt threatened? Um, <laughs> I think I was aware of it. I, I must have watched Because I watched everything. I must have watched it a bit at the time. But I think it did feel... Like similar territory to where yeah, to yeah, where yeah. we were. So we were you were our Channel Four rival. Similar, exactly. We were on Channel Four, which is a very progressive yeah. channel, and we embraced progressive values on there. Yeah. You were with the establishment I channel. Was. Well, and they made us change ours, which I think yours carried on looking like a you know as it should do, like a homemade show at home, and ours started like that. And then they made put us in a shiny floor for the second series, yes. which I think was an error. But you always had audiences and things like that. We did you have always audience. were in an actual studio, and that's what I was doing. Well, that's what that bit that you mentioned was lampooning the idea. Well, it was very packed. It was very packed with stuff, and that you start by sell out. You start doing the. You start with you on a black and white uh, shaky cam, mm-hmm. and that's a very very. Good bit. So it starts very confidently. You list the tw- you list the twenty names. It's just full of stuff. It's good. It's, yeah, and yeah. it's all. And, and so I was saying backstage, the only thing that doesn't really fly now was your parody of the internet, which is just in, you know, incomprehensible. What if the internet was like going into a news agent? <laughs> That's what it was, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, it was good. I thought it was really good. <laughs> In 1996. It was, it was perceptive, yeah. yeah. But it wouldn't fly with the kids today. But it has brilliant retro value now. Yes, it does. It's amazing nostalgia. Shall yeah. I describe the whole sketch? Yeah. yeah. You go, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so if the, if the newsagent was like the internet back in, when was it, 96, then uh, you would have, there'd be a bouncer on the door and the bouncer would charge you money before you even went into the newsagent. And then when you wanted to get your magazine, you'd have to wait for it to download, like the internet. <laughs> and, then, and it would take ages for like a porn magazine, if you wanted to look at a dirty picture, it would take ages for the dirty picture to arrive and it would come down line by row by row and big blocky pixels because that's what porn was like in 19... 
95. It was. Or 96. So it's got a nostalgic value. Yeah. And then we download yeah. a... I'm still talking about the sketch. Yeah. <laughs> we, we download a virus. Do you remember that? We opened the that magazine. That was the punchline, yeah. And it's got a virus, and it was a bit of kind of... I'll tell you what, while we're here, why don't we just do the director's commentary <laughs> for the whole... But without... Let's try and do it without re-watching the show. We just have to guess where you were in each show. Go, I think now is probably about the time. I, rem- I feel like I remember them all very well. But because... we never knew whether anyone found them funny. You had a studio audience. Yep. So you knew whether your stuff was funny. And this is why, 25 years later, Adam is actually having to say the material <laughs> to find out whether it was funny back then. And it's good, man. I think we're going to get a second series. <laughs> I think it's going well. Well, unlike our stuff, you can see your stuff on uh, all four. And I think it's on... You, can you see it in America as well? Yeah, you can see it all over the world. Yeah, yeah. which you can't with our stuff. Really? Yeah. I don't think it's true you can see it all over the world. Oh, okay. I just wanted to make you feel jealous. <laughs> but you can certainly not... see it on all four. It's on all four. It's on a, a, a thing called Wow Plus, yeah. which is the production company that made it World of Wonder. So, yeah, you can find it. I've never, have you actually watched any of them, Joe? Have you seen whether they're good copies or anything? Or uh, no. I bet they're not in the right aspect ratio. Oh, gold. That would make me so sad. Well, you're very silly kids, isn't it? Larking about. It's very nice. And it's, it's good. It's funny. But I kind of wonder now, you're a big de- movie director, whether, you know, people have seen it and go, is this, is this you? You expect, you expect us to do what you say? Yeah. Yeah. Well... No, 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 no one's no one's really. No seen one knows. It. Everyone's too young to have seen it. But yeah. were you embarrassed by it when you got into the industry? No, I was proud of it. The thing I was embarrassed by was I wrote a song. I wrote a like a parody theme song for the James Bond film, The Quantum of Solace. Oh yeah, that's... we did a thank you. <laughs> So we had a subject. We had a, a feature on our six music show called Song Wars, where yeah. we wrote a song based on a theme. And I did one. Uh, the lyrics went, "He's got a gun and great big man tits." <laughs> so with a clear, and I had a YouTube film with Daniel Craig coming out of the water, and it got it got like I think two or three million hits on YouTube. Right. And uh, and then I got hired to write Tintin, the, right. the film of Tintin, starring Daniel Craig. <laughs> And I thought all it would take was one little person to connect the dots yeah. and, and I would, might be fucked. Yeah. Uh, so I took it down, which was a wrench because it had a lot of hits. Yeah. Uh, so that's the only time the two worlds have ever intersected, really. Or they didn't actually intersect, though. In my brain, they did. Yes. Well, that's the danger when, you do, when you're taking the piss out of people. I remember the... Was it yours that went... Is, I sing this all the time. I think it was your one. It's a quantum of solace, but no more than a quantum... They say yes. they want a big bag of quantum. Yeah, they say they say they do big bags of solace, but I don't but I want them. Yeah. That's a yeah. good rhyme. I only Very want a tiny, rhyme. teeny bit of solace before I kill you. We went to we went to <laughs> Nick Frost's wedding the night before we did that show. Right when we unveiled those songs and. Um, we were on Richard Curtis's table and we said that we were doing James Bond songs about Quantum of Solace and I quoted him that line and he said, oh, that's a good line. But then, but then Joe um, quoted his lines and they said they were, he was going to win. Uh, did he win? I think he did, yeah. yeah I think he, he was, on, a, he he was on quite a long winning streak at that point. 
that I got inordinately upset. I mean, about. It, it seemed like you both put a lot of work into song. I mean, it it, 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 it was worth doing because you released it. I remember. I mean, I bought. I think I know it because I bought the album. Did it, you? It yeah. was you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but that was a lot of work for a. You must have worked very hard on those. In the yeah, week. and then and that's why Adam was so angry when he lost. Yeah, because of the invest, the emotional investment. It did take ages. Yeah, yeah, we would we would prepare for that show most of the week. I would say by right? the end. Yeah, like most uh, sort of uh, radio presenters do five or six jobs. Right, yeah. they'll have a column. They'll appear on game shows and chat shows and stuff. Right, and they'll maybe do five shows a week. That's how they make their living. We were doing one show a week and working five days <laughs> on it. And it just, uh, it was brilliant. But after a while, the sheer emotional, physical and financial <laughs> toil it took was... No, you, you disagree, because... I don't disagree, it's true. I feel bad. I'm making faces because I... Uh, that's one thing I regret, is that I wasn't able to just relax a little bit more and not make it quite such an intense atmosphere of competition. And it, it wouldn't, no, it wouldn't have been funny without that. That's the problem. Yeah. The fact that it really mattered to you made it so much more delicious. The, the other thing was that, I mean, Joe, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, did quite a lot less preparation. <laughs> hey. And, but that's not true. It, it is. <laughs> and then... Um, would usually do better, would win at Song Wars, oh, would be funnier on the air, would be... And it would just feed into my little simmering small man syndrome. I'm happy with where that went in the end. <laughs> <laughs> I was worried at the beginning, but then I'm, I'm happy with where that went. Yeah. Well, we, I took over from your slot with oh, Andrew yes, Collins. Oh, yes, that's right, with Andrew Collins. Uh, and we would go into Cafe Nero half an hour before the show <laughs> and decide what we were going to on the way on uh, Bond Street, and then we'd walk up and do it. It's the best way, isn't it? I'm always, I'm always remembering that, um, you know, Carl Pilkington at, uh, uh, at XFM sitting us down before we did our first show there. And we unveiled a load of ideas for features and jokes and stuff that we were going to do. And I played him a couple of jingles I'd made. And he was like, no, don't, don't do that. <laughs> People don't like it when you prepare too much. You do all that work. It's, uh, it makes them feel uncomfortable. <laughs> and I just thought, no, you, I screw you. I'm going to do loads. I'm going to do jingles and there's going to be features and I'm going to prepare the shit out of it because I wasn't comfortable just relaxing and, and um, you know. Well, but, but that's, mm. that's, why, that's why it works. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. 
A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. I mean, the, the, the Adam Joe show is, 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 is very well worth watching again. It does stand up and. Uh, you can see the amount of... Thanks for the plug. The amount of... Uh, well, that's why... That's streaming money. I, they said I had to say that if they were going to come in. Nought, nought, one pence <laughs> per stream. Uh, but it's, it's just packed with ideas, which is, you know, when you were young, and you, the same for us, we really packed our shows. And you, before your show, it says, remember to set your video recorder. This is a dent show, whatever it is. Yeah. And we did the same thing as, as that. I think we did it first. Uh, and... Uh, <laughs> But, you know, it's that you were so keen to get ideas up. And mainly, it's, you know, I think we've talked before about this. I think there's a couple of minor missteps in terms of the pranks were a, were a little bit... Uh, the smashing the, the crockery one was a bit cruel on the people in the shop. The, uh, the, there's the one of eating the 10% where... It's funny, though, man, God. Where they get, they're, they're really angry, with them confused by you eating the free 10% of the chocolate bar. Who felt worse about those things? Was it you or me? Like about the pranks and things like that. Why didn't we talk each other out of it? Uh, I don't know. Well, we didn't know what was going to happen. We didn't know how badly the one in the china shop was going to go. <laughs> we didn't know how vulnerable the woman behind the counter would be. And we didn't know the police were going to come. <laughs> and we didn't think through the claw hammer. <laughs> like, we should have had a little, like, pink rubber hammer. Not a big, like, serial killer. Halloween, <laughs> Halloween 2 hammer. <laughs> we just but didn't think it through. I know, but it didn't. It sort of just felt out of kilter with... The, the rest of it is two lads yeah. being, you know, silly. And, and it's, it, you know, it's nothing compared to what Channel 4 <laughs> prank shows were to become. It's still very yes. charming compared to that. But, it's, but it just feels... You know, it's still funny, but it feels like... A, it does feel slightly out of kilter. Well, maybe this is... The right time to say sorry. Yeah, that's what I think so. We're very, very sorry. Because the vinyl justice is sort of piss-takey, but in a, in a lovely way. Everyone just enjoys... And was that all genuine, or did you take a couple of records with you to take the piss out of, or was it always...? Uh, it was always genuine, except for Marky Smith uh, of The Fall. OK. Although, no, he brought his own records, but, he, but it wasn't his place. He came to London, and uh, we did it in my flat. OK. And he was a bit of a menace. And you weren't... I mean, you didn't know or care that much who he was, right? No. <laughs> <laughs> well, I did when he tried to kill me. Then I, then I started to care about his work. <laughs> who is this man suffocating me? <laughs> but before that, no. But a, a few people, quite a lot of pop stars don't want you to go into their houses. Sure. Especially when you're too weird sweaty, gangly nobodies with fucking plastic policeman's helmets with yeah. records attached to them and not a proper film crew, just some dork with a Sony camcorder. Well, that's what I thought, they, you know, Karis was very nice. Nick Hayward, I saw, very 
welcoming to you? He didn't let us go to his house. That was in his... That was at the, his, uh, the creation. Offices. It was just signed to creation. Right. Keris was the first person who let us do it. Right. And we went, all, we went to her house. And she was lovely. And we she danced really to lovely. Pinky and Perky with her. Yes. I really lovely. wanted to go out with her. Yeah. <laughs> and I was trying so hard. And then I watched the rushes back when we, when we got back to London... And I just thought, obviously, she was never going to go out. <laughs> Look at me. I'm a disgrace. And also, we weren't, I wasn't completely, I didn't quite understand the concept. I'm really slow when it comes to these things, you know. Like, Joe, I think Joe came up with the idea of going and raiding people's record collections. Or maybe it was just the, the phrase vinyl justice that you came up with. And then everything fell into place. I think all of the all of the things, all of the I good came things, up with all of the things. But that would yeah. be a whole show. That's a great idea. That would be a whole show now. That's... Well, they did. A, they did it. They sold the format to America. Right. And they did a whole show based America. on it. And it turns out you're wrong. Okay. America. It's not, <laughs> it's not a good show. <laughs> it wasn't well, it, good. It wouldn't work quite so well now because you'd have to kind of just scroll through a, a, a phone. Yeah. Go, exactly. Oh, well, I think you've been streaming. Do well with that finger action. <laughs> <laughs> if those were the opening credits, I think that would be <laughs> an appointment to view. Whatever the show was about, I'm in. Richard Herring's finger. <laughs> Richard Herring's, Herring's touchy finger. <laughs> I would watch that show. It'd be a different show every week. It'd be good. Um, you should have done, I had about three CDs, so it would have been good. You, you should have come and done me. It wouldn't have taken very long. Well, we were on the cusp of, uh, of, the, of the arrival of CDs, weren't we? And we were always very disappointed when people didn't have any vinyl. Right. Because the, the covers are too small and shiny, right? Yeah. Well, you do, a bit, you do a bit about how CDs aren't indestructible in, the, in one of those first two we shows. We did do that, yeah. Yeah. God, you we really have watched it. I really watched it. I watched mm. it and I listened and I remembered some of the details. <laughs> <laughs> we did have the thing where we would um, do little blipvert things. I mean, in, in our mind, um, we were inspired by Max Headroom, but you guys were doing the same sort of thing. You, you were had. a Fist of Fun fan, weren't you? Because you were on before us. You, you uh, yeah, started we were, before us. Yeah. yeah. I was jealous. You were a fan and you were jealous. Yes. So did you copy the whole set your video <laughs> thing? Uh, or no. did you, was that a sort of a tribute? No, I, you did I was, do that, didn't we? We did do it, but I think it was so... I think there might have been one other like, late-night show that did something like that. I don't think it was with jokes. I think it was maybe listings or something for reels. That's right, that's right. Yeah, I think you're right. Oh, one for London or something. Yeah, something like that. Flashed up all so the late So it was night. very much... Info. I wanted to do... We weren't allowed to do it. I wanted to do CFAX subtitles that were diff, for different stuff that we weren't saying... <laughs> And we weren't allowed to do it because you needed to. That would have been great. <laughs> that would have been great. Yeah. No, we wanted to do all that stuff. We wanted to f- subvert the medium and fuck yeah. around with it and do everything we could. We didn't do any of that. Also, it was no good because with VCRs, if you paused the VCR to try and look at a single frame, it was so rubbish. And Yeah. Well, we put in uh, flash frames of me and Stu completely naked, and I can't believe he agreed to do this. So we dressed up as Greek gods and naked, like with everything out, and then put them up really quickly so they would be impossible to capture. But, of course, then we put... They went out on DVD, so then you could... I'm surprised no no one, one, as far as I know, has taken those frames out. But there is just without... Until today. I can't can't believe... It's it's horrific. It's horrific. 
I can't. Well, I don't. I haven't looked back at it, but it just you know, it's, not, it's just us with our in the garden with our flaccid, <laughs> shy cocks. I don't think there's anything. That's one thing we never did was get naked. I don't think did we didn't we? dock. We didn't dock. That was that's what we should have done. I do uh, reveal my uh, buttocks in the opening sequence to the second or third series because I was proud of them at the time <laughs> I thought these are, these are nice buttocks and I've got to capture these fuckers <laughs> before they turn into the sort of water bottles that Michael Douglas has in, in uh, <laughs> Basic Instinct <laughs> is that a topical reference? <laughs> um, so, so they are there and they're, they're, really, they're really lovely yeah. they really you've got, are you've got to capture it while you're young You've got to That's capture your buttocks while <laughs> you're young. Yeah. In the opening yeah. titles, that was. Why do you want to know? <laughs> <laughs> What's this sudden specificity in your line that? of questioning? Can I go? I've got all the rushes. How would you feel, 25 years on, about bringing it, bringing it back, bringing the show back as two slightly weary middle-aged men, but forced to do... The same things you did when you were... I just 20. couldn't smoke that quantity of weed anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously, I was so stoned making those uh, toy movies and doing right. the animations. I just lived on grass. I think, you, I think it would, there would be a sort of I art a... to it if, it, if, 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 if as 50-somethings, you were still... For, the idea that you'd been doing it for 25 years and it was still going on... There's a sort of drama in this rather than a... Tragedy. Uh, yeah. <laughs> we would have been very happy just to carry on, but we weren't, <laughs> we weren't allowed to do so. Um, we had a good idea for a show called Adam and Joe's TV Wars, and that was the closest we got to having a coherent pitch that would follow the Adam and Joe show. And it was very much post Vic and Bob, shooting stars, that kind of thing. But um, it was a game show where you would pit two sort of media celebrities against each other and they would play a load of games based on aspects of being a TV personality. So they'd be on a quiz show that was called Never Mind It's All Over or something and um, they would have to... Uh, this is what the pitch meeting was like. <laughs> I'm remembering now why yeah. it didn't get... <laughs> Because it is exactly like... And you'd look like the executive who was there. <laughs> and this is how I felt at the, at the meeting as well. There was some good stuff in it. It had a gag at the beginning of the crane going over the audience. And every week, a bit like The Simpsons, something else would happen to the crane. Yes, yeah, It would crash into the wall or a runner or it would zoom in on an attractive woman in the audience the way that they sometimes do, you know, at sporting events yeah. and things like that. And then it would get yanked away and it was... It was going to be good. Gonna at one stage, good. the teams were going to operate the cameras and be in the edit suite and everything. I thought that would have been funny. Like, it would have been a complete fucking disaster. And they, and they had to do, like, auto-cue challenges, you know, keep doing, sort of do live reports, and we'd put funny stuff on the auto-cue, Richard. So yeah. listen, that was the moment we realised it was over for us. <laughs> what was the moment you realised it was over for you? Well, it was before we'd even finished. Genuinely, we, um, they, the, the control of the BBC2 changed but we'd already had our, our, our last series commissioned and she never came. She was always invited to come down and said she would come and she never came. 
Uh, and then there was, I can't remember what the joke was, but the John Plowman was our executive producer and there was something in the script, because it was live, I'll, that was because Fist of Fun hadn't been live and it had taken four hours to record and we hated it and had to retake it and it was always felt awful because you were doing the same thing over and over again. So that was partly why we wanted to do it live. And then, because it was live, they sort of accepted that we could say anything we wanted. And John Plowman said, you can do, you can say this, but if you say this, I think it will seriously impact the chances of you getting another series. What, what was, what I can't did you remember, want to say? I can't remember That's what like it was. like a red rag to a bull. I can't remember what it was, but we said it. Of course you fucking said because it. Because we already knew that <laughs> knew we, we, we were going to we say We weren't going to get another series because this woman, and Jane Root it was, who I, I was, that Edinburgh... She had never. She never got. I've never found out whether we we're going to get another series. To be honest, so it's it. still on the cards. No one said no yet. But the, mo- the moment I thought definitely it's not going to happen, I, met, I was meeting with Steve Coogan in a party at the Edinburgh Fringe to discuss a script he wanted me to write, and he he was talking to Jane Root at this party, and he said, "Jane, do you know Richard Herring?" And she just turned around. <laughs> <laughs> And I thought, yeah, probably not getting another series. <laughs> That's, that was probably the moment wow. I realised it was over. Um, I had a, the last pitch meeting I had with Channel Four. The pitch meeting actually stood up and left the. We all stood up and left during the meeting. It was going so badly oh. that they they got so annoyed, but they didn't understand it. And I said, I just don't think you get this. It's fine. Wow, then, that's then, my fantasy is just to get up. I've had so many the whole meetings, who, who they got stood up. up. The you the executive would, stood, stood up, up and yeah. we stood up and we just all walked out and then we were in the corridor and then it was goodbye. That was my Usually last Usually they have the courtesy to get an assistant to just come in and slip <laughs> a piece of paper yeah. and it'll be blank. Yeah. But then they go, oh, I'm sorry, I have to take this. And, they, and then that's it. Yeah, and then no. you think it's an important call, but it isn't. They just want to get the fuck out. Has yeah. that happened to you? Of course not. No. <laughs> Constantly commissioning. But commissioning executives have clever ways of doing things, right? That yeah. line to a comedian, oh, if you say that, you'll never get another show. That's a red rag to a bull, yeah, right? Yeah. You've got to say it. Yeah. Like, they never say passionately that, that they love or hate anything, right? Because they don't want to screw their colours to that thing. Yeah. Because then they can That's be That's the phrase, it's, isn't it? Yeah. Screw their colours to the thing. <laughs> to the mast. <laughs> you really screwed your colours to the thing there, Mike. <laughs> it's going to seriously jeopardise your things of stuff. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, there's a, there's a sell-by date, isn't it, as we all realise, and the next thing comes, comes along. And, and that, that, that business we were in in the 90s was... Was very much that, wasn't it? What's the next thing? Yeah. So we 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 all, in fact, you had four series and we had four series of two different two series of two different mm. things. So we all got four series, which is pretty good. Yeah, but well, we got four series of the same thing. Yeah, we got we so, got two series of two different things. Yeah, so. but that makes the thing that got four series of the <laughs> thing better than the thing that had to change what it was to get, doesn't it? Mm. Yeah. Thank, thank you. Thank you. You're busy later. Whoever you are. <laughs> we can make the audience decide which was the best if anyone remembers either of these <laughs> I think this is a collection of all the people in the country who remember both things <laughs> and you've then, managed to round them up at the end of the road it's a podcast yeah hooray for podcasting though don't you think I was yeah. thinking about this yeah hooray hooray here we are on the weekend I saw an article about Sean Keaveney leaving Six Music and it was a nice thoughtful piece in the Times and it was sort of saying, yeah, it's sad that he's going slash being pushed. 
and a lot of the Six Music listeners were really upset about it and just felt like, oh, you know, Six Music is turning into a different thing now. But the piece was making the point that, well, they don't like it because, you know, it has to change and it's a, they're being shown that they're getting old and, and the world is moving on without them and it's not a very enjoyable feeling. Um, but, of course, the BBC as a broadcaster has to keep it fresh like that. Yeah, yeah. But that's what podcasting is for. It's like I said, a lovely retirement community <laughs> for irrelevant people, but in, in the best possible way. So, like, the fantasy for a listener to Six Music is like, well, this is my station, these are my presenters, I love the whole place and the ethos, and they'll always be with me throughout my life. But it's not realistic because the station has to change and get younger blood in and et cetera, et cetera. But that's not the case with podcasts. You and me are going to be doing this until we die. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's true. They can't stop us. Yeah. You and Richard and everybody else yeah. <laughs> in exactly. the world. I know, but it's that, that's the nice thing. You know, it's, it's, it's purely, it's totally democratic. Like, our audience will grow old with us unless we say some really appalling stuff. I've really tried. And, uh, I'm still, I think if you do enough of them, it's so hard to find the appalling things retrospectively. <laughs> Someone who, there's stuff in there if you want to trawl through it and be the one to get me cancelled. There's stuff... I mean, actually, the Louise Wenner one last week, it's not that far. You have to go back. But, uh, but um, yeah, there's, there's definitely... I mean, that, but it also is there, though. Like, and I've been podcasting since, what, 2008 or something? And, uh, and it, that was that period where everyone was going, yeah, let's be as offensive as we can, because we can be, and it's the Wild West. And so there's a lot of stuff there that's uh, troublesome, I would imagine. Yeah. Sure. No, there's always troublesome stuff. <laughs> because, you know, that's the way time works, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. But, but you uh, don't do that with your films, though, Joe, right? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I was listening you're much <laughs> to the thing about... To the, to the podcast people talking. You're much more careful. It has to go through yeah, yeah, yeah. more layers yeah, 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 of yeah. scrutiny, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Man, thanks for bringing me in. <laughs> but... I'm just going to go right ahead and have a sip of my water. Oh, yeah. I wanted some water. Did you hear my Mr. T, Mrs. T idea that I did in the intro? For a film? Yeah. Well, for a or I, I would see it as a Crown-style Netflix right, drama. Right, series. Okay, no. Miss, Mr. T and Mrs. T. They're, married, they're secretly married, but then neither of them That's can admit good. it. Yeah. <laughs> and so okay. it's about their set relationship. Up, set up, turning point, chaos. Yeah. So set up, turning point. Um, Brighton Bomb. <laughs> and what does Mr. T yeah. do? Does he diffuses, he in... diffuses the Brighton bomb. I like it. That's the payoff. Yeah. You're in. I'm done. We're done. We're in. That's good, isn't it? I mean, you heard the announcement that Steve Coogan's playing Jimmy Savile. I did. So all fucking bets are off. And <laughs> um, Mr. and Mrs. T is on. <laughs> I did mention it to my manager who said yeah that's a good idea so you know I literally put it on Twitter as a stupid joke and then I got so many good suggestions from it from Twitter I think it's a good one what are the catchphrases what does Mr. T say for well, instance oh I thought you meant Jimmy Savile because uh, <laughs> I was no, saying no, 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 surely no, no, no. this is now the point at Adam, which we Adam. do impressions of Steve Coogan doing impressions of Jimmy Savile Adam, Savile. Adam. This that, is, 
what could possibly go wrong? <laughs> this is where, as your long-term comedy wife, I say, darling, don't. <laughs> <laughs> What's Mr. T's catchphrase? I pity the fool. What's I ain't going on no plane. That's good, there's two. Yeah. What's Mrs. T's catchphrase? Oh, uh, by the way, I'm playing Mr. T in this. <laughs> it's a deal breaker. It's a deal breaker. Will you be able to do that accent? Yeah, that's what I'm going to do it like that, but... <laughs> the, hair, the hair and everything. I mean, so, so, you, so you will do blackface, but you won't do the accent. Because <laughs> that would be going too that far. That would be offensive. Yeah. Mrs. T's catchphrase was, the lady's not for turning. Yeah. And um, you're And fired. then when they're in bed with each other, she would go, the lady is for turning. Be a nice, young, youngish Mrs. Thatcher. Gillian Anderson doing that. <laughs> it appears the lady is for turning. On. I'm turned on, I'm Margaret Thatcher! Yes. That's what she won an award. I'm Margaret Thatcher! <laughs> Sometimes a fire burns so brightly. <laughs> you might have won a few more awards, that's all I'm saying. <laughs> I mean, I just came up... She, Gillian Anderson took months to, to, to prepare for that. I just did that. Ta -pa -pa. Yes, yes. That was very good. Your crown stuff is really, really good. By the way. It's so, on the Christ, we did a Christmas podcast. Adam did some parodies of The Crown. Did anyone hear that? That was amazingly funny. Obviously, they did. They were listening to them just before, probably. <laughs> just before, OK. They listen to them all the time. And is the Tom Cruise doodle story now complete? Is there any more to add? Good to that? question. Ooh. I was thinking about Well, I've got a new this. one. Oh, have you? Holy shit. What's your new one? <laughs> if you start it on this podcast, you have to do it. Come back onto this podcast. <laughs> do it every is year. Is it Christmas? It's nearly Christmas. I did notice chocolate Brussels sprouts in M&S. Yeah. Last week. Is it Christmas? This. There's Christmas ads on telly. It's as Christmassy as it's going to be in the UK. That's uh, this uh, Christmas is going to be exactly this Christmassy. Yes, it's 70s Christmas this yeah. year. So we're on the set of Steven Spielberg's The Adventures of Tintin. <laughs> That's where he's leaving it. Is it next Christmas? <laughs> yes. Let's have one more. And this massive Winnebago pulls up, like a huge jet stream, personal trailer, mobile home. The sleekest, sexiest, affordable to mankind. The brakes hiss. It gradually lowers on its chassis. A beautiful, tinted window rolls down to reveal... Anton Deck. <laughs> Now that's two Christmases worth. So we're not going to find out who, it, who was in the I find Winnebago. it hard to know what people want from this. <laughs> I mean Whole a thing. fully formed anecdote with a beginning, <laughs> a beginning, a middle and an end is generally the way it works. I think, 
Five or six years ago, when you were in your 40s, this was a fun way to do it. But now, there's just the danger. <laughs> I swear, man. Three or four years You in. nearly got cancelled for the, for the doodle story. The whole, I mean, it wasn't fair, because you didn't technically reveal anything when you went on the one show. But that was around the time that I thought, I think I need to get off Twitter, because the wave of fury, blind fury. About what? About Joe going on the one show and being asked to recap the doodle story. And then, uh, according to some people who were watching who also listened to the podcast, he said too much and he (laughs) gave away the ending or something. He's just given away... He's only just gone and given away the ending of the doodle story. This makes me sick. And it was sort of very intense levels of passion. Sometimes when people love something so much... (laughs) They can hurt the one they love. Yeah. They can lash out. But we got this when we had Boggins on the radio show. Do you know who Boggins was? I, yes. Is? Do you? Who, tell it's us a, who Boggins was. It's is. some kind of dog. Some kind of dog? Yeah. Some kind of wonderful. Okay. <laughs> we had a... Uh, I came back from holiday one year and I'd had a big argument with my sister-in-law about her... Uh, about dogs in general and she'd accused me of being a dog Nazi and it was one of those conversations that started out as fun bants and then ended up really quite tense and uh, uncomfortable and I, I think I um, my way of dealing with the situation was to do an impression of her dog on the radio show and Joe named the dog the uh, imaginary dog Boggins um, and I would do, you know, a dog voice like that. It's a bit like the one I do now for Rosie. And uh, Boggins would slobber and um, fart and shit everywhere. <laughs> and some people thought it was funny, but then some people really hated it. <laughs> and uh, look, I, I found Are this you... letter. Mm. Go on, I no, just what... thought you were checking your emails. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm looking at this. This is a, a, a message that was very indicative of a lot of the stuff we got. And this was from someone called Corinne at the Department of International Development at Oxford University. <laughs> that was, I mean, we had amazing listeners. The, the messages we got every week were so good, which was why it hurt when we got stuff like this. And she says, whenever Boggins is around, my hands automatically reach for the stop play button because uh, she's listening to the podcast. Not sure why, but I can't stand him, and he's been ruining my fun. It would really help if you had a warning that said the show features Boggins, and then I would know that I can give the show a miss, rather than stop halfway through completely exasperated and frustrated. I've been a long-standing fan, but this feels like the end of a beautiful affair, and just because of a stupid dog. How could you? See, that was before, that was a, a while ago, though. That's, yeah, that that's the way the world has become. She started the, the whole thing. There's a thing I don't like in something. Yeah. It has to now stop. <laughs> Couldn't you just not listen to it? No! Yeah. It has to stop. Go, oh, dear. There was but people lot. are very, people love dogs. Yes. Don't they? It's the famous thing that if you kill a dog in a film, you're kind of, yeah. you alienate a percentage of the audience. If you murder any sort of human, you're fine. People love it. Right? Yeah. So you create a fictional dog. And then we were going to have it put down, weren't we? 
because it was it was just too smelly and stinky. Well, it was it was too unhygienic. It prefigured Brexit, and we got letters like this. Yeah. So we thought the humane thing was to kill the fictional dog. No, we let it go in Glastonbury in the end. But it was it was the listeners were divided between yeah. kill Boggins and uh, save Boggins. Yeah. You're interested in this, yeah. Richard. <laughs> yeah. I'm letting I'm letting Good. it play out. <laughs> Good. I just thought I'd check in with you. <laughs> I'm letting it play out. We'll move on to something else. I'll ask you. Uh, well, if, did you did you, did you hear my st- my daughter's story? Did you write stories when you were kids? If you, if yes. You, if you, have, you, have you found them subsequently? I've got all mine. Yeah, I wrote yeah. children's books when I was a child. Right. Yeah. So I knew where my market was at. <laughs> uh, do you want to know more? No, yeah. Tell, tell me your daughter's one. Well, I did. I've told everyone else you were just backstage not listening oh, right. okay. to my brilliant... So she's, she's six, right? Is this the she's six, six yeah, yeah, yeah. So she, she wrote about a dinosaur fucking a, a unicorn. Really? Yeah. <laughs> and then having a dogfish baby. Well, and hang then... on, does she use the word fucking? No. Right. Though, to be fair, <laughs> it's come... I, did, I have said this before, but when she was four or five, she was at school and they were talking about a story about Jeffrey the giraffe. And then the teacher said, can you describe Jeffrey the Giraffe? And my daughter said, Jeffrey the Giraffe is a wanker. (laughs) (laughs) And they were were so sure she couldn't have said that, they asked her to repeat it, and then she had said that. They talked to us quite seriously. I tried to write um, Roald Dahl-style mystery books. Okay, yeah. Yeah, because I I didn't... I watched Tales of the Unexpected, and I didn't read the books because they were a bit too adult, but I knew what yeah. they were, and I thought it was amazing to be able to think of, you know, 16 stories with twists, and I gave them names, yeah. uh, you know, and the book, and I designed the covers and everything, and I read through them the other day. They're, they're not, they're really, really not good at all. Yeah. But are they funny not good, or are they just not good? I just don't know. It's such a s- dense nest of psychoses <laughs> reading them. <laughs> it's hard to tell what would happen if they were read out loud. I wrote one called The Thrilling Three. It was meant to be The Thrilling Three, but I misspelt it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but it was very heavily based on... I, 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 I've actually pitched rewriting this as an adult, though, to be honest. I think it's quite interesting to have a group of kids who just don't have adventure, who'd form a gang and then don't have any adventures, as, as, <laughs> as that would be what happens. And in the book, <laughs> one of The Thrilling Three just moves to another town. <laughs> <laughs> Right at the beginning, which is what happened. I was start writing it, and my friend Angus Ashman moved to another town. So then, or Tim moved away. Was it? So well, you were a trailblazer for social realism in yeah. <laughs> in that genre. The Thrilling Three, I think the thr- and then having to be called the Thrilling Three because they've misspelled it on the cards. I think it would be a good good kids book. But I I, I'm not sure one. whether the Secret Seven, the Famous Five, are a thing anymore. I don't know. No, no, they tried that, to. They, yeah, they rebooted. They made a film of it recently. Yeah. They rebooted they it. Yeah, just took the racism out. Don't yeah, you? yeah. Because Enid Blyton, that was all solid gold racism, it was wasn't it? Made. When I say solid gold, <laughs> that's not the right phrase to use <laughs> in conjunction with racism. Did she write a book called The Three Gollywogs? I don't know. Probably. And they, I think, if you look into that, because I did do a program at the Gollywog on the radio. Oh, yeah. And they had quite unpleasant names, though. So if that wasn't enough for you, the names of the gollywogs were quite bad as well. Right. So, um, yeah. I'm thirsty. 
get cancelled for that these days, though, of course. Oh, cancel culture, it's gone mad, isn't it? You get cancelled for saying anything nowadays. <laughs> One racist thing and you're out of the picture. Right, I'm going to ask you an emergency question and hope... Oh, that's... We won't do Christmas ones. Hold on. Have you ever picked up a randomly ringing phone in a public phone box? Who was on the other end? Nope. (laughs) A desperate prostitute. (laughs) This happened to me in Western Supermare when I was about 14 and a very lonely sounding, I presume quite drunk woman was on the end. Oh. And basically just saying, you know, where do you want to come and see? Do you want to come to my place? I was right. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't go. Um, okay. Oh, keep taking my glasses off and then remember I can't read. Um, if you're only allowed to have 12 bones in your body and no kinds of implants to substitute for the others, which 12 of your bones would you elect to keep? Um... Well, um, at the risk of being obviously lavatorial, Willie is not a bone, is it? That's not, a, not in the human the, species. Despite the phrase boner, because it's like... yeah. Okay. Some animals do have a bone in their penis. Do they, yes. Mm-hmm. But, you know, so you could you... elect to make it one of your 12 bones if you wanted. You could say, can I have one of them as a bone in my penis to give me a permanent erection? Yep. Yep. Well, maybe, yeah, maybe I would do that then. Yeah. But, you know, you would need some leg bones. Maybe not. You need, you need a pelvis. I suggest you, have, you keep your skull. <laughs> because I think you'd look unattractive with a flaccid head. <laughs> I mean, you could hold your breath and inflate it when you weren't talking. But when you were talking... It would be un- he'd be unappealing company, yeah. I think. Yeah, man, that would be like the that bit in Under the Skin. Yeah, in the pool. Have you seen that movie? Uh, I, oh, Jesus! It's the yes. scariest thing I've ever seen. Hmm. Sorry. Um, Do we have to? Is that that surely enough? On that's that enough. One? Yeah, you've done, it. isn't it? <laughs> but when you start thinking about it, just have to deal with when that. You, arm, when you start thinking it. about it, it would be a sad existence. It? It's a very good question. Thank you. How about you? What buttons? Oh, no, I don't say that. <laughs> it's, a, it's a shame when the question's too funny. <laughs> <laughs> Do you remember the first time that your childhood enthusiasm was crushed and broken? Childhood enthusiasm? You got bullied at school, right? Yeah. Why, school. Why t- yes. I feel like it's happening again. Yeah. <laughs> Suddenly. <laughs> uh, yeah, I did. I got locked in a cupboard. Yeah. By Con... I, can't, I shouldn't say his name. I nearly said his name. Yeah. Con... Con... Conroy no, 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 Twitty, no, no, no. is that the <laughs> No, I got locked in a cupboard. I had to smash my way out. Yeah. With my feeble, bullied little legs. Wow. Uh, yeah. And then the reign of terror continued. Uh, yeah. But reign then I... Yeah. Terror. I did. What do you want to know about it? Well, it's interesting. <laughs> but I... Well, you, you, you were at boarding school, but you were... You were... Day boy. Yeah, I was a day boy. Adam was a boarder. Because it's all that that public school stuff. It's all kind of coming out that uh, you know it was such an unpleasant atmosphere. A lot of those boarding schools uh, that, and then the people who were bullied the most are now in charge of the country. 
<laughs> right. You know what I mean? So yeah. then that political elite are used to this awful situation and then they become, as you progress through it, you turn into the bullies, right, generally speaking. And then, yeah. and then bully the younger ones. Right, a kind of damaged generation yeah. Yeah. replacing each other. But I mean, I don't And, and think... we're encouraged by the teachers, it seems, to, to behave in that way. Was that yeah. your experience? No, that wasn't my experience, I don't think. Was it yours? He was locked in the bloody but cupboard. The te- <laughs> yeah, but, but the but teachers encouraged locked bullying. in cupboard. No disrespect to your pain and your trauma, but locked in cupboard. I'm sure that happened at places other than public schools, didn't it? Is it really, Anyone? It was a really expensive cupboard. <laughs> <laughs> Queen it's like Anne. <laughs> Uh, I don't know if that... It's got to be true, hasn't it? Like, whatever culture you're exposed to as a kid, probably... Um, I mean, yeah, this is the thing. Children, I don't know if you know this, but especially teenage boys are fucking shitbags. And they're, they're like sort of psychopaths. And they're working... Hopefully, they come through the other end and they're relatively well-adjusted people. But most of them are, are wrong-uns. <laughs> and they're routinely horrible to each other. That's why I always feel weird about the whole going back through people's history on social media and things a whole generation of people growing up and having their teenage years scrutinized and criticized 10 years after the fact yeah that just seems colossally unfair because everyone is an asshole i got back at one of the kids that bullied me and this is uh, this is an epiphanal moment by drawing a comic strip about him a viciously uh, sort of a character assassination via comic strip. And I showed it to you, did I? Do you remember that? Yeah, I, yeah. I and I showed it around, and it had the incredibly powerful effect. And it made the boy come up to me and privately and go, Oh, Joe, please don't show anybody that comic strip that you drew. He was really uh, destabilized by it. Yeah. I thought, fuck. This is amazing. The power of, <laughs> the power of drawing stupid comics. Yeah. Yeah, but you see, he won't remember that he locked you in a cupboard or whatever it was, or whatever he'd done to you, and he'll just think there was this horrible boy at school who drew these That's comics. That's true. About there you me. go. The cycle of yeah. comic strip violence. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Imagine what happened to Steve Bell at the Guardian. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> Is that what he's called? Yeah, yeah, yeah. it was good. Thanks. Um, <laughs> Do you think the opposites attract? And even if they do, do you think that makes for a good relationship? What is the most opposite couple you can imagine? <laughs> uh, that would be a good question for Janet Jackson. Didn't she do a song on that subject? Sing it. I can't. Is it Janet Jackson? Oh, fuck. And I was ahead of the game with Steve Bell. <laughs> Everyone oh, knew it was Paula Abdul. Oh, God. That's terrible. Everyone. Um, anyway, that would be a good question for Paula Abdul. Edit. It would. <laughs> Edit. Well, in her case, it's her and a cartoon cat, isn't it? That's the... That was Crazy the, cat. Yeah. yeah. Uh, opposites do attract, yes. And uh, you've got to have... You've got to have... <coughs> the crankies. There you go. <laughs> Height, uh, physical opposites... But the, the um, heights have to be do the heights have to be opposite in all relationships. Well, I'm in a relationship. My my relationship looks a bit like the Crankies, but the yeah. other way around. Okay. <laughs> I'm Jeanette, and my wife is um, the other guy, Ian. <laughs> What's he called? Ian Cranky. Ian. Um, 
Yeah, she's much taller I tried to get I. them on this show, but they've retired. Oh, really? Yeah, so got you two instead. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and here I am in my shorts. <laughs> and your little hat. And my little hat. <laughs> But do you think it was so in a double? But in a, it's a double act. You, I suppose there are. You're not like a, a, a typical double act in terms you're of not like a good double act. No, no, you are a good double act. But you're not like diametrically opposed. But I suppose it's, there's a big height difference. There's a height difference. Sometimes people are shocked when they see us in the flesh. There's, right? Yes. There's maybe you're you're <laughs> quite you're quite grounded and and happy with yourself whereas Adam's quite is even more grounded and happy with himself he's gone through the ground and out the other side no I'm fine I'm, I'm perfect now yeah. I've worked through all my problems and uh, I'm totally fixed well I, I think I, and I, I paid for this but I think like last year I said to you that how, how I thought you were your podcast has got even better as a result of all the tragedies that you'd had in your life. Oh, yeah. Uh, and I uh, was sort of saying, I hope something else bad happens to you. <laughs> and then I got cancer. So that was, that yes. was, that was the payback for that. But yeah. that, it is, I mean, it is interesting that I think it's given, um, it has given those podcasts uh, an extra dimension. Yeah, tragedy is putting it too strongly, though. I mean, you know, my parents died. That was the worst it got. It's pretty, it's, well, that's bad. It's tragic to the... I mean, it's not really tragedy, though, is it? Like, dying. It's quite bad. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's pretty but I mean, do, But do you know what I mean? Like, if they'd been assassinated, <laughs> that would be tragic. Or if they had, uh, you know... Uh, fallen into a ditch. I don't know. Something. There's there's more tragic things. Well, an accident. Yeah. Would, there you go. That's the word tragic. I'm looking for. <laughs> Some kind of accident. Assassination. <laughs> <laughs> Whenever I see, like, if they've been killed in a terrorist attack. Yes. That's fucking tragic. That is tragic. Yeah. See, see what it's done to the room. It's, <laughs> it's chilled out the whole room. Because of its how tragic it is. Yeah. But if you know, my dad was ninety-one, and that's not tragic anymore, is it? But it's difficult to cope with. You've yeah, had, it's sad. Been, it's sad, and I think, I think it, that's why you know because people feel they know you from the podcast, I suppose. And yeah. the, but it's clear you were, and with your mum dying as well, they, 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 they that would having to cope with that and carry on with your work. It's but it gave it. It's just given a. Extra dimension that I, because my life's so happy, I just don't feel I can have in this podcast. Hmm. <laughs> well, it's, it's more difficult with an audience, though, isn't it? Because you've got an audience. I don't have an audience. So I'm able, to, I'm able to not worry about entertaining a group of people. I can just say whatever's on my Yeah, but mind. they love it. These, these ghouls, they love, they love it. When listen to them now, they've all gone quiet. They say, what's going to happen next? It's an edge you've got over Louis, though, isn't it? What, some death? Yeah. Um, no, I mean, he's quite... Uh, uh, I'm trying to be careful not to say anything bitchy about Louis because I feel like I've been too bitchy about him and maybe uh, we're not going to be friends anymore if I'm not careful. <laughs> uh, but yes, it is an edge I've got over Louis <laughs> because he's shallow and all he cares about is being famous. <laughs> 
So as a double act, I mean, you've had your moments, I think, as anyone working together has, but you have stayed as friends for, like, 40 years, right? Yes, yeah. You've known each other for 40 years. Yes. And you still seem to like each other. (sighs) (laughs) (laughs) Well, I mean, we don't don't spend that much time together. I live up in uh, Norfolk. Joe's down in London. We do the podcast once or twice a year, and that's more or less it. Yeah. So we, we're not overexposed to each other. Sure. But I do, I do like it whenever I see Joe. Can't speak for how Joe feels. <laughs> no comment. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm sure I'm, uh, I'm, sure I'm a quite high-maintenance friend in some ways, but in other ways, pretty great. It's pretty great. Pretty great. <laughs> As far as you know, you say a thing now. We are we <laughs> about me. I love you. Yes. Uh... <laughs> yeah, it's nice, isn't it? Yeah. Having a friend for a long time. Yeah, I'd, I'd imagine. And uh, <laughs> do you know what's especially nice? What? Is to have a furry one, <laughs> a little cuddly furry one. <laughs> who gets angry sometimes. I don't get angry anymore. Does do funny I? little noises and then curls up by when, the fire. When was the angriest I ever got? Do you, re- do you want a real answer to that? Yeah. This, how long have we... Is this, you can have as long I as feel you like. like. You should have asked this earlier. <laughs> um, well, you're the only person I've ever known who's, who's like flown off the handle during a, like a... Uh, a meal in a posh restaurant, like in a film. When was that? I, I keep trying to remember it in detail. Was it that was, with our agent? Yeah, with our agent. And it was in like a posh, so it was literally like a sketch in a film. White table glass. No, fucking! Really. And the whole restaurant went, freaked out. And you stormed out. Stormed out? Yeah. Was this really me? Yeah. I do. I sort of blocked it, but I remember the red-hot, molten centre of it. <laughs> just the, the, the heat of the moment has blinded me to the detail. Jesus. Uh, like staring into the sun. Wow. But, I've uh, got a vague memory. I don't remember it like that, I must say. Well, you... Correct me then. No, no. It's possible. Mm. Because the thing is, I think part of the thing with me is that part of the reason I don't tend to hold grudges is because I can't remember most of them. <laughs> so I'm like, oh yeah, whatever, I'm sure it's fine. But it's possible. And uh, I'm... Yeah. It was good though, it was fun, I liked it. Can you remember what it was about? I don't know. No, I can't remember. I don't remember. It was something I said. Oh. And I trod on some sort of a psychological toe. Yeah. But, but it's often know... like it's something that's been building. You just need yeah. a little... Yeah, we would we would argue over the stupidest stupidest. There things. were a lot of uh, there were a lot of mines in the minefield, mm. yeah. a lot of trigger points, uh, and it was yes, it was always small things that set them off. And the 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 one of the angriest times of you got. <laughs> That's how everyone right. says that now. Yeah. <laughs> one of the angriest time. One of the times I got the angriest. No, one what? of the angriest times <laughs> of you got. Oh, right. <laughs> That's what I said. Who's you got? <laughs> yeah, one of the one of the angriest you got that I remember um, is when 
we did the Time Out interview, and I talked to you about that. Do you remember that? Yeah, vaguely. And, yes, uh, and you as- you pr- ascribed something I'd done to yourself. Yeah. Well, it was yeah, it was, it, it was about it was about <laughs> Titanic, your version of Titanic, and you'd done most of the work on that. And uh, we always we we had a, a, an agreement that we would always say we whenever we talked about the show. And when the article they interviewed me, Time Out because Joe wasn't available for whatever reason. And when the thing came out, uh, either I had said or the journalist had incorrectly put I. <laughs> and Joe rang up and said, what have you, what have you said now? <laughs> you fucking... There was some fucking in yeah. it. And that was... Very, he was very angry. I was like, well, he's very yeah. angry. Rightfully so, audience. Yeah. You would have been equally scandalised had you been in my shoes. Did you share credit on everything? Did I shag what? <laughs> did you shag? <laughs> no, did, we did shag. That's how we got over it. Did no. you? Did you? Did you? Did, did you share credit on everything? Uh, yes, we did. Even though I did most of the work. And did your comedy partner ever say any of your jokes and get massive laughs? Well, it's yeah. I mean, and did it make you feel funny? Well, there's been there's stuff that he's forgotten that's that's mine yeah. that he's done quite well with on his own, but he's done it he's done it in his own inimitable fashion that I wouldn't have done. So uh, I remember when we really started out early, um, and he was doing much better than I was. A, well, I didn't really want like stand up, and there was a routine that uh, he did about all things bright and beautiful, which is I'd entirely basically. T- we were at a wedding, and that came on, and me and Rob Newman were just pissing ourselves. And she was like, "What? What? What?" And I said, "This is funny, though, isn't it? Is they're listing specific things that God's made and blah blah." And I, I went through all the beats of it, and but then Stu turned it into this amazing routine that I would never have, I wouldn't have even thought of doing it, and it was really good. Uh, but there was times I would stand at the back of the comedy club and go, oh, "Fucking, this is my fucking idea." I wrote this uh, because I, you know, I wasn't getting anywhere, and he was doing really well. So yeah, there, there, you definitely have those moments. But I think also, I think when you've worked together for that length of time, and certainly at that early period where you're forming what your ideas of comedy and writing are, you're bound to sort of cross fertilize. So I think similarly, maybe to to Adam. Um, In our early years, when I was forming what your ideas of comedy were. <laughs> I remember distinctly... No, that's the end of that sentence. <laughs> <laughs> but I think it's, you know, if someone... If it's, it, it's coping with that, the, the ebbs and flows of it, but that's growing up, isn't it, and realising that things go up and things can go down as well as up. Yes. I think, though, <laughs> one, of the, uh, one of the nicest things about Adam's podcast, for me as his, one of his best friends, is that I have... He's sort of become like a really good and lovely person on it. Like, you read a shit of a lot. You have to read for your guests. You weren't a big reader. Neither of us were. not at all. So you know things now. (laughs) That's not true because I forget almost everything. It goes literally in one one ear and out the other because I generally go audiobook on the uh, prep. But that's nice of you, man. Thank you. But I know you so well, I can hear... What's going on in your brain? My stupid mind. I really can. When you interview people, and I know what question is really about you and not about <laughs> them. I mean, I think, I think most of us <laughs> can tell those things. 
So, certainly, yeah. I'm always sort of asking stuff that is personal, obviously. I want to engage with... It's not a straight interview in that way. It's a conversation that you would have with a friend. Yeah, I but I didn't, I didn't mean to make it, uh, make it a sticking point. I meant to yeah. say that... Uh, what did you mean? <laughs> I mean to say something... What the fuck did you mean? <laughs> I meant to say that, I, you know, listening to it over five or six or seven like? years, yes. I think you've, re- you've become a really sort of uh, cuddly, amiable, lovable person. That's nice, thanks. Yeah. Little do they know. <laughs> if, if we were in America, that would get a round of applause. Well, we should maybe wrap up. It's been uh, maybe, or should we could go on for another hour? I've driven... No. I drove about, down today because... How about... Uh, sorry, sorry. I drove down today because I, I didn't want to... Uh, risk getting trapped in London so I've come in my electric car which is yes. safe and it will get me home there's enough electricity in it to get me home without really how long do you get from a charge oh here we go now enough. the podcast en- is hotting <laughs> enough <laughs> enough yes. that I've never ha- I just make sure I never go a long long way but I think you could do 100 miles whoa um, and if you turned everything off you could do a bit further like the engine. Did you hear that? <laughs> <laughs> she pushed it. Um, but to London and back is only uh, 60 miles, so it's nice. comfortable. Comfortable. Did you hear that mileage, Joe? Yeah, I on did. One, on one charge. <laughs> That's very good. How fast are you going? Three oh, miles an hour. No, very... It's, I can't tell that... I'm not, an inter, I'm not big into cars, but I had, it's a VW Golf, basically, and I had a VW Golf before, and I can't tell the difference. If anything, this is a bit better. What were you going to ask him to ask? Oh, I was going to see if there was any questions in the audience. Oh, we can, if you want to, but you know what they're like. Yeah, they're nice. You know, no, you know what you're going to get. <laughs> Anyone in the audience got a question? Oh, they, they desperately want to go home. <laughs> Do you, anyone want to lift back to Hertfordshire in an electric car? There are some hands, I you have fear, to, pay, you have to, to the pay disappointment of the rest of the audience. No, look, look, there's some there people, now we put the lights up, we can see people leaving. <laughs> Out of embarrassment. Is Adam staying at Joe's tonight? That's a personal question. Is Adam, is Adam staying at Joe's tonight? No, I'm staying... I don't like to stay with friends when I'm in town. I want to be on my own. You know what I mean? <laughs> sometimes it's not you just it's, but like when you get older you just want to be on your own so I'm sure Joe would have uh, had me round um, <laughs> shaking his head but I'm staying in a hotel not far from here in a tiny room it's like a capsule hotel the, you know like the, 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 the bed takes up the entire width of the room and uh, it's like I'm in prison Any other questions from the audience? It's going very well. It's going very going well, very this well. idea. What's happening with Bug? Uh, it's on hiatus, but hopefully coming back next year. Question for Jay Corn. <laughs> <laughs> What's happening with Attack the Block 2? Yes. Oh, we're going to make it, I hope. Hooray! Yeah, next year. Yeah. The end of my answer. <laughs> Is there any documentary voiceovers you need? Because I think I'd be pretty good. Can I audition for it? Yes, you, well, Adam doesn't have to audition. No. If I come in it's and an do a great audition for it, can I do it? I was... Uh, the only thing... The only, I've, I do a little bit of acting every now and again. I might mention this before. But the only thing... You know, they're doing the Sex Pistols 
series based on Steve yeah, Jones. Yeah, Danny Boyle's doing it. Yeah, I was very excited to get an audition for that. Did you get an audition? Well, I, they said they wanted to audition me, and I, they did send a script, but I was able to learn the part, and I learned it and practised it. Wow. Can you guess who I would have been playing in the... Um, old Steve Jones. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's content. Bill Grundy. Bill Grundy. <laughs> And I would have been fantastic. Yeah. And I had it, and I got it, and I got the voice good and everything, and I was starting self-taping it, and then they said, oh, it's been cast. Do some, come on. No, I can't remember it now. Nothing. (laughs) A rude rude word. (laughs) What was the rude word? Shit. Oh, very clever. Go on, say something else, shocking. You fucking cunt. <laughs> <laughs> he didn't say that, did he? Uh, <laughs> it's because of him, but he's all mainly going, you rotter. Yeah. You rotter. You, you dirty do. old man. You dirty rotter. How about good. you girls? Are you, uh, you just enjoying yourselves? We always loved you. Yeah, I always fancied you. <laughs> did you? Mm. <laughs> <laughs> you know this clip, right, Joe? Yeah. The filth and the fury. I'm not doing a great, but I did. I looked at his his mannerisms, and he had a little. He sort of had a northern thing, but there was one word he said really weirdly. The tone of your voice is good for him. That's perfect. But also, it's a real fucking kick in the teeth, isn't it? We're making a film about punk. Do you want to be Bill Grundy and your fat (laughs) middle-aged drunk? (laughs) I thought it was going to be Johnny Rotten. No. But everyone they've cast is very pretty. If you look at the young actors they've cast to be the Pistols, they're they're very, very good-looking. So they were casting good-looking across the board. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Now, I I don't know if I signed it, but they sent me the script. Well, they didn't send me the script. They sent me an audition and said, there's a confidentiality thing on this. But then then I never got the audition and I never did it. Have I broken the confidentiality agreement by talking about this on this podcast? And am am I now... Stopped from ever being in a movie or TV series ever again as a result of talking about it? No. Okay, go for you. That's my film career back. Just waiting. Just waiting. Well, that's very good questions, audience. (laughs) That is why I don't come to you. You embarrass me. I haven't done a great job today, but you've made me look good. Um, well, look, it's really lovely to have you together. I hope we'll get back in another 25 years. <laughs> and I hope you'll wear the T-shirts and the hat. <laughs> <laughs> and that's given me enough impetus <laughs> to carry on staying alive. And <laughs> 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 we're just talking about Adam and Joe, and most people who remember Adam and Joe will be <laughs> we can just have like I'll be dead I'll, I'll so definitely be dead by then you can just have the, the t-shirt and the hat and the 12 bones we can have the 12 bones yeah. make you out the 12 the skull the penis <laughs> Joe's looking disappointed he is disappointed I feel we're trying to find an out. I know, we'll get there. It's all right, it just comes naturally. It's all organic. Well, carry on with your podcasts, Adam. Thank you. Carry on with your very successful career as a direct film director. (laughs) There we go. That was it. (laughs) Ladies and gentlemen, it's Adam and Joe! Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.
Catherine Ryan and Chaparrat Corsani next week. Come along, there's still tickets. been listening to Rahalastapa with me, Richard Herring, and my guests, Adam Buxton and Joe Cornish. Look at his Cornish face. Thank you very much to Scant Regard for playing the music that we are listening to. I'm indebted to my producer, Ben Walker. I'm indebted to Chris Evans, not that one. I'm indebted to Kathleen McKeegan, not that one, from Rahalastapa, rahalastapa.com. And thank you to everyone at the Leicester Square Theatre. We're having a lovely time here. Thank you for having us. Thanks to George, the incompetent sound man. He's doing a great job. Hope he takes that cough out or it'll be embarrassing. This is a Sky Potato Fuzz and GoFasterStripe.com production. You can still see all of these shows, all of the whole series, for a small fee. Uh, go to richtrain.com and you can buy a series pass or each of these shows individually if you want to see what was going on as well as listen to them. Thank you very much. Goodbye. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Thanks for listening. RichardHerring.com slash gigs. GoFasterStripe.com for all my books, downloads, all that sort of shizzle. Oh, yeah, I know all the cool words. And um, would love to see you on the, on the Can I Have My Ball Back tour if you can make it. Bye.